Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 45 of How Do You Write? And I'm Rachel Heron. And as always, I am so glad that you are here. Um, I'm feeling much better this week. I had a rough week last week and told you all about it in great detail. Um, There's no such thing as TMI in my world. So welcome to that. Uh, But yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling more chipper. I am kind of back to my normal self, which is a relief. Um, Still feeling a little bit draggy, but not too bad. I'm getting some naps in there and that's all that matters. Um, Really, when it comes right down to it is writing is a job in which you can take naps. And in fact, my 911 career was like that before too. So I just like a job in which you can have a nap and it is uh, proscribed and prescribed and sanctioned. And um, at 911, we had beds and because I had to live there for two days at a time, no, no fears. I wasn't napping on the job. I was not, I was napping at the job, but not on the job. Uh, that's too much about naps. So yes, feeling better. Um, I'm feeling a little bit fractured though, because I am balancing a lot of books in my head right now and I am writing none of them. And this time happens to writers, you know, you actually have to take that time to hammer out the books you're going to write, to try to get contracts if you're going for contracts, um, figure out your plans. I just don't like being in that time. As I've told you a bunch, um, I stopped writing the thriller at about three quarters of the way through um, because we're sending it out as a proposal. And um, and that's, that's weird for me. I'm not usually in the editing phase when I'm still in the first draft phase. So Um, my agent and I are upping the gore right now in the first part. So I'm actually, um, working on the synopsis and going back in and adding a lot of, uh, horrific things. So that's super fun. Something I don't normally get to do in romance. And I really like to write dark, so that'll be fun working on that. I'm also working on a three book proposal, um, for another editor. Um, so I will update you on that as that goes, but that's a romance series, and so those three books are in my head. I just sent out that proposal to my agent. And um, I'm also thinking hard about the how to write memoir book that I'm writing and working on pulling the table of contents together so that I can launch myself at it. Um, I love teaching memoir. I've got another class at Stanford coming up in the fall, uh, which is an on-campus class. So it's not something you could take online. Um, by the time you hear this, If you hear this soon, I'm recording on May 11th, uh, 2017, you could sign up for my uh, UC Berkeley extension class on developing the novel. It starts on May 16th. Um, I believe I said today is April, uh, May 11th. It is May 11th. I don't know when it is. Uh, but yeah, so you could sign up for that. That's an online class anyone can join. And, uh, so I'm, I'm balancing the thriller, three romances, the book on memoir. I am not even considering the book on Venice that I want to write because that is, that's a little bit far down the priority list to right now, but it is still there. It's swimming around. So I've got six books kind of banging around in my head together. And I like that feeling, but I also can't wait to be elbows deep in a manuscript again. Um, I like, I like the routine of showing up the page every morning and, and pushing the book a little bit further. And I have to say that I might be 
learning how to like first drafts a little bit more, which is very exciting to me at this point in my career in which I have mostly hated first drafts. So that is glorious. Just a little bit of business. Thank you to new patrons. I have two new patrons this week. Thank you so much. Katie Weinberger, thanks for your patronage. And to Amy Draper, thank you, thank you, thank you. And to Kelly, who edited her pledge up, thank you, thank you so much. As always, your patronage, uh, with your patronage, you get essays on creativity and the brain from me. They come out about every six to eight weeks. And if you pledge at the $3 and essay level, you get texts from me a couple of times a week too, which you can reply back to and tell me all about myself um, or tell me all about yourself, which is way better. Uh, texts in which I encourage you to get your work done. Um, and also with your patronage, you get the satisfaction that you are truly a patron of the arts, even at a dollar every couple of months. You're a patron of the arts in the old-fashioned way, something that Kelly pointed out to me in an email this week that was really cool. It feels good to be that kind of patron. I am that kind of patron to people on Patreon. Um, it's so awesome, and I appreciate you, all of my patrons, with all of my heart, so thank you for that. And today's episode um, is with Sarah Ramsey, who you will love hearing from. She is a delight. She writes historical romance. I know her from the RWA com uh, community, but she's one of those people that I stole from my friend as soon as I met her. Um, what she won't tell you is that even though she is wicked smart at this marketing stuff and the whole business of writing, um, she is just got this gooey marshmallow heart that, uh, that I can see, Sarah, I could see that in you. And I just love it. And I just want to squeeze you and hug you. And um, you listeners will really enjoy listening to her. So please, let's jump into the interview. Enjoy that. I wish you happy writing. And I'll talk to you soon. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write, and you'll also get my Stop Stalling and Write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Okay, well, I am so excited today to introduce my friend Sarah Ramsey. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Rachel. The last time I saw you, we were in Venice together. I know. I am still wishing that that's where I was instead of anywhere else in the world. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, but now you're in a beach cottage. Uh, yeah, I realized as Pacific. I said that, I am I'm probably one of the biggest assholes that you're going to interview on this because <laughs> excellent. Because I look up and I'm like actually looking at the Pacific instead of Venice right now because I'm on another writing retreat. Um, it's rough. Okay, sorry. well, let me give a little a little introduction yeah. um, so people know who you are. Uh, Sarah Ramsey is a historical romance author with great taste in champagne, bad taste in movies, and a serious love for journals and washi tape. I can attest to this. Uh, her award-winning historical romances feature plenty of devious dukes, daring ladies, and happily ever afters. Sarah has called both Iowa and San Francisco home, but she's currently wandering the globe, yes, while writing novels and searching for the perfect cup of tea. You can can find her at sarahramsey.com. So dude, you yeah. are like, you know that you're my kind of my idol right now. And then if <laughs> and then if I were single, which I do not want to be, but if I were single, I would be you. This you're doing the digital nomadry. Is that even a word, nomadry? It should I be. let's go with it. I okay. think it should be. So before we get into like the questions about your process, um what is what is that like? It's 
pretty wonderful. I've got to say, I'm not going to downplay it at all. Like it all will sound like a humble brag anyway. So I'm just going to own it and say it's pretty great. Um, so obviously I know you from San Francisco. So Rachel and I have been friends for a long time. Um, and San Francisco has, I think everyone in the world knows this, but it's gotten stupidly expensive, especially in the last few years. And I think it's getting increasingly hard for people who do what we do, which is try to piece together a living through words to survive there. Um, and I was thinking about it last fall and I was like, I just turned 35. I live in a studio. And if you'd asked me when I was 16, like, where do you see yourself living? If you told me I lived in a box when I was 35, I would have thought I'd really screwed something up. (laughs) Um, even though it was where I wanted to be. Um, but I decided to put everything in storage at the end of last year and just give myself three months to travel and see whether I was productive while I did that. And my baseline was if I wrote as much or more than I did when I was living in San Francisco, I could keep traveling after that three months was over. Um, if I just kind of screwed around and sat on the beach and didn't do any work, I would need to get an apartment again. Um, I didn't know that was your, I didn't know those were your rules. That's really cool. So then what did you find productivity wise? I would say I was as productive or more than I was in San Francisco. So in the three months, so that three months I spent six weeks in Bali and six weeks in London and then ended with Rachel's writing retreat in Venice, which is going to sound like a, like she paid me to say this, but it was the most wonderful way to cap off that experience. Um, it was just so great to have time with other writers and refill my well in a different way. Because you had been really alone in a, in a real certain way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had. That. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Um, so it was actually a little bit bizarre too, though. I had a little, I didn't tell you this, I don't think, but I had a little bit of weird anxiety the first night I was walking into our meet and greet because I was like, this is the first time I'm seeing people I know in three months. Yeah. Right. And the experience of going from everyone, I made good friends while I was traveling, but they were all strangers to then coming into a room where I knew you and Veronica Wolf and Lisa Huey and some of the other people there. I was just like, it was kind of mind blowing. Um, How did it go when you finally did walk in though? Because I understand that whole, like you have been able to be completely who you want to be while you're gone. And now you're walking back into preconceived notions of Sarah Ramsey. Yeah. You know, I don't think it was that hard because I do think I am... I'm pretty much who I am with everyone. It's not like I went to Bali and told everyone I was a spy or something, right? Which you totally should have. I should have. You you blew it. I know. I really, maybe this next route, I will pretend to be someone else. Um, I've always wanted to have a fake accent. Yeah. I don't know that I would, I wouldn't do well with that. Give me two glasses of wine and I would just revert back to form. Um, But it was really, I don't know, but it was also comforting too, right? And I think that was what made that the Venice experience so great was that it was, I was ready for that comfort again. Yeah. Um, it was just the, the switch that was difficult, right? It was that first five minutes of talking oh, I know to 16 people, people. Yeah, and, and, and strangers questions and they yeah. care. I think <laughs> this is weird. Um, That's yeah. awesome. Well then moving forward with these questions, I, I didn't tell you this in advance, but if you could like address them, um, with what you found in the last few months, like on this trip about yourself and your writing process. I would love that. So yeah. on this trip, um, and, and let us know if it's changed somehow on this trip too. What is the best time of day for you to write? And and where have you been writing? I always ask where, <laughs> but you can't really answer that if we don't have another, you know, two hours. Yeah, <laughs> I think 
for me, the, that was one thing that was really great about this trip actually was that I think I had some preconceived notions about when I write best and where. Um, and this obviously forced me to kind of blow that up, um, which was good, I think. Um, and this was the, so I was working on my seventh book. I was finishing my seventh book on this three month trip and I, it came out the week we were in Venice, as you know, and <laughs> Aw- I was awkward like, timing. Awkward timing. Cause I was like, I'm already over it. I just want to be inspired by Venice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to work. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but I spent a lot of, I actually tracked every minute that I spent writing for this book so I could get a better sense of where I'm productive and how. And I learned some interesting things. That's the one this kind of merges into the tip later too, but tracking for one project sort of all the time that you spend on it and where I learned a lot. And I learned, I actually, it takes me less time to write a book than I thought it did. Mm. Um, Which is good to know. Like it kind of takes me about two to three hours per finished thousand words. Oh, what a good um, number to have. Like what a, what a good knowledge to have baseline. Yeah. Cause I'd always kind of thought about like, you know, I can write about a thousand words an hour, but I'd also said, but I need my like dramatic couch time to think about it. And I need like all the editing time. Couch time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have dramatic bedtime. That's who that's. Yeah. That's me. And I, I didn't track all of that. Right. Like I know that some of the journaling time, like the thoughts that you have while you're walking to the store, like that's not in there, but purely sitting at my laptop and writing was about two and a half hours per thousand words, which means an 80,000 word book, I should be able to write in about 200 hours. And That's for me, it takes 10 fascinating. months. Right. So it's like, so now I'm starting to think like, oh, this is a good come to Jesus for me. If I actually know that. <laughs> yeah. I can be a little more strategic about my time and say, no matter where I am, I need to get three hours a day. That's because so. that would get me a book much faster. You know me and I'm totally going to adopt that. So I know yeah. we'll work that back into the craft tip or unless you've yeah. picked that now, but how do you write? Do you write um, longhand or on the computer? Um, I mostly write in Scrivener. So that's where I do the bulk of my work. Um, I'm a huge Scrivener proponent, um, mostly because, because I write series and because I write historical, I need a lot of the research and it stays the same and those characters overlap. And so my biggest Scrivener tip would be when I'm writing a series, I pull in the files from all the previous books into the uh, same Scrivener. So when I search for somebody's name, I also see the scenes they were in in the previous books. So smart. So that I can verify if I, you know, because there's a lot of stuff you forget, obviously. I forget everything. Yeah. And actually, but I will say, when, oh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say when I'm stuck, like if I'm stuck on a scene, I will switch to writing longhand. So I do write in journals when I'm feeling stuck and sometimes I'll write a whole scene. Sometimes it's just enough to write, you know, a few notes to myself and I can go back to the computer, but right. that's most of my process. I made you write a lot by hand in that class. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. I still have, this is the pen that I bought because I was inspired. This is my like Venice souvenir. I remember pen. when you bought that. Oh, that's yeah. so awesome. I, I heard you though over the, over the question before, um, did you find out something different is something something that surprised you about the time that you like to write the the oh, best right. time of day that you like to write? Yeah, I think um, I think for me it was I did have this realization that I don't write that well at home, and I'd felt that before, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'd always felt like, oh, I get stuck if I'm in my living room. I need to go to a coffee shop, 
but I had this weird moment in Bali where I stayed in the same place for six weeks. And the first like two weeks, I was really productive in the like cafe that was on the roof of that space. Mm-hmm. I was working there every day. And then I hit a wall and I was like, I have to get out. And I realized later, because I went away for a couple of days and I came back, I went on a retreat and I came back and it felt like I was walking up to my home. Oh, and I was it, like, oh. It, it had turned into your home. home. Right. And now I need to leave. Right. Right. <laughs> Which is a, it's a good thing to realize. It's a bad thing from a, I would like to work better at home, but now I kind of know that may not be my style. And I just need to accept that and figure out how to work that into my writing routines. Awesome. Yeah. Super, super awesome. Now, this is an interesting question. I can't talk today. Sorry. Interesting question. Um, how do you refill the creative well? And do you feel like you need to fill it as much as you did at home while you're on the road? I think that was probably the best part of the traveling was that the creative well was kind of constantly refilling without me having to put a lot of thought into it. Right. Right. Like at home, I lived in the same apartment for a while. I have the same friend group. I have, I'd been in San Francisco for close to 15 years, Bay area for 15 years for sure. And I would have to put in conscious thought. Like, you know, I bought a a membership to the De Young and Legion of Honor museums. Yeah. Yeah. So just force myself. And I still didn't use it enough. Like I went once every two months, but at least like I had to force myself to find those opportunities. Right. Um, and to get out of my routine and go see things. Whereas being in Bali and then being in London, like there's so much cool stuff there and it didn't feel like it felt like it was part of my job to go see it, which I think is really important. Right. Like I think yeah. I'm the kind of person who if it's not part of my job, I often neglect it. Like I neglect myself. I neglect my health. I neglect exercise. Like I neglect a lot of things, but if it's something I'm supposed to do, I usually do it. Mm. I'm pretty rebellious with myself too, but, (laughs) but you know, there it felt like, Oh no, my job is, and framing it like that, my job is to refill the creative well because I was feeling kind of burned out. Yeah. It gave me the freedom to then go explore. Oh, I love Um, that. That's great. I do that with reading. Sometimes like I'll, I, I'll balk at reading or I'll put it off and, and that's all I want to do. And then yeah. when I reframe it as this is my job, I have to for X, if I can give myself any kind of X reason, I'm in. Yeah. So yeah. what secret writing tip of awesomeness did you discover the hard way? Um, I had thought about this before and I think I had an answer. What was it? I really did put thought into this interview. I mean, it absolutely Um, does. Yeah, I think, oh, this is what it was. Because I I was getting it confused with the other question about what was the worst advice you've ever gotten, because in some ways they're a little related. Oh, let's talk Um, about both at the same time then. So the writing tip of awesomeness for me was that when I'm stuck for more than a day, it's not just that. I'm being a lazy wench. It's that there's something wrong with the story. Ooh. Um, and it took me a long time to realize that. Right. Cause I'm not the fastest writer. Like I said, like, I mean, it's actually fast if I can have three hours per finished thousand words, but it takes me a long time to get there. Yeah. Partially because I tend to get stuck on story points and feel like I, a lot of times I scrap the first 20,000 words a couple of times mm-hmm. before the project's really cooking. Um, but I would hit those points where the story wasn't working and I might think it was working, right? Like, so I'd spend two or three days not getting anything done. And I'd just be like, 
start going down the death spiral of I'm not a real writer. I can't do this. Like, everyone else can go sit in the coffee shop and they just write. And I'm sitting here like sipping my tea. And Every other book unhappy. you've ever written must have been a fluke. Yeah. 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 All of the doubt comes out. And then I waste two more days doubting and like eating to make myself feel better. And then I wake up one morning. And I'm like, oh, well, the issue is that three chapters ago, they should have gone to X instead of Y. And then I'm unlocked and I can move forward. <laughs> And I still have to remind myself, like, that's my awesome tip. And I need to just write it on my computer. Like, if I'm stuck, there's something wrong. And it's not me. Like, like <laughs> look at the plot. With right. The plot. Now, how did that come out of the worst writing advice? Well, I think the worst writing advice was, this is going to sound really ridiculous, but I think the worst writing advice I've gotten is stuff where I knew in my heart that I don't write like that, but I tried to do it anyway because it was successful for somebody else. Mm. Right. And so a lot of the advice that I get is like, no, you just sit there and put your hands on the keyboard until you write 2000 words. Right. 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 Or my friends who are really good plotters and they have their index cards and they know their midpoint and they know their dark moment and they know everything to start with. And so when I would get in those spirals, I would think, Oh, it's because my process isn't good enough and I need to try what works for them. Mm-hmm. And I spent years just like every time I hit a point thinking, oh, I should try X's solution or I should try my friend Y's solution. And it turns out, no, I was just stuck because I needed to think through the story. Um, so that's kind of the worst writing advice is like, if you know in your heart of hearts, you're not a plotter, don't buy 15 plot books and like right. 800 index cards and keep trying to do it. Cause like, I think by the time you do a couple of projects, you may know you're not a plotter and that's just, just accept it and move on with your life. Like don't try to adopt somebody else's process if it doesn't feel right. I love that. And that's exactly why I do the show is because I want to hear as many people's processes as possible. And there's going to be somebody or 20 somebodies who listen to you and go, oh my God, I've been beating myself up. Whereas it just was the story was wrong and I'm doing it my way, my right way. Yeah. And I love I still love reading people's processes, right? Like yeah, that's we all not do. to say that's not to say like never listen <laughs> never listen to Rachel's podcast again because that's what we'll take away from this. No, me yeah. too. And I feel really solid in my process. Like I know what my process is and I like it and it works for me. But for there's this thing about writers is that we're just completely fascinated by how everybody does the same things that we do because it is such a mysterious process. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, I love reading, watching other people's process. I'm in, I'm at a retreat right now with my friend Anne who writes out of order. Oh, I love I people like that. that. I don't understand so it writes, at like, all. It's like hundred scenes that are just, she just writes like, oh, today I'm writing the end. Today I'm going to write the second chapter where they like, meet. I'm like, I, that baffles me. My friend, just, my friend AJ LaRue writes all the sex scenes first. Mm. Which I write all the sex scenes last, actually. Me too. Because <laughs> you don't know what you're going to need to do with those until yeah. the end. I'll put in um, sex scene, just yep. blocks and sex scene and then skip it and go on. Yep. Secrets, secrets. Okay. Yep. Um, can, and what is your quick craft tip? Is Ooh. it to track? I think so. That was actually yeah. what I was going to say for this was whatever project you work on next, you can even start with this one, but like it's helpful to do it start to finish. Yeah. Track everything. Like, and mine was just a simple Google sheet um, that was just every time I sat down to write, it was like, 
start time, end time, how many words I got, and if it was negative, that's great. A little note section, so if it was handwriting, and I didn't have a word count. Or if I was editing, so I could remind myself, like, no, you only got five words because you edited that whole scene. (laughs) Don't go back and look at this like you're a failure. Um, So smart. And then my location. Uh And then I sort of, like, tallied up. So, you know, a lot of days there'd be five or six rows for the same day because it was little chunks. Mm -hmm. I'd have a tally at the end. And then, okay. and then I could like, that column was the one I was adding up for how many minutes I actually had See, and amount of work. That's so interesting because I've, I've, I've been religious before about counting exactly, um, how many words I get per day. Like I'll go, yeah. but I'll never tally the time. Yeah. And that is and fascinating. Me, I think that is maybe the other piece of this tip is that for the people who have never been well motivated by word count. I'm actually finding that it's better for me to say I'm going to get 120 minutes a day. Yeah. Like not even hours, but like minutes. Cause I have the attention span of, I don't know, all the gnats that are flying around. That hopefully you can't see. <laughs> no. Uh, so for me, I actually work better in like sort of 25 minute blocks and I will just try to hit six or seven of them. Yeah. Um, but because if I hit the time now, I know now I have the comfort of knowing if I get three hours a day, like I should be able to finish this book in what, 70 days. Yeah. That's so awesome. Do you revise as you go? <clears throat> I do. So okay. I tend to, my first draft tends to be pretty clean. Lucky. Like lucky, I'll, lucky. I'll rewrite the chapter before, before I start the chapter that I'm working on today. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, on really bad days, what other profession mm-hmm. do you wish you had? You know, I didn't have a good answer for this one. Um, because the first thing that sprang into mind was politics, which is really ironic because the bad days right now are tending to come from politics. <laughs> yes. um, so I don't know why that was my answer. Do you think, have um, you been drawn to politics like your whole life? Like, I think so. Like my family's been pretty involved in politics ah. my whole life. Um, we have our disagreements about some things, but I've been in that sort of like. Wasn't your mom the mayor or something? No. No, my dad. My dad is the chair of his party back home okay. for their county. And he also, this is a bizarre story, but he's also the township trustee for the little, we live in very rural Iowa and he's a township trustee. He was elected on a write-in with three votes. Because <laughs> nobody ran. He tied with somebody else and the courthouse just drew a name out of the hat of those two guys because they didn't want to pay for a runoff for a township <laughs> oh my trustee. God. Because literally the only responsibilities, they have to spend, send money to the fire department twice a year. They have to maintain the pioneer cemeteries in the area. So the ones that haven't had burials in forever. Yeah. Mode. And he settles fence disputes. So, <laughs> fence disputes. Like yeah. like easements on land and whose land is like over by or two like feet. Who's responsible for making sure this fence get mended? Like if somebody has cows and they get out and get on the other person's property, like... <laughs> I don't know. So that actually might be fun. On the days when this is not going well, I'm like, yes. I can walk around and settle fence disputes. Like totally. that sounds, and it's be, unpaid, obviously. Oh, <laughs> and win on a write-in with three votes. That's, that is fantastic. That, that has to go into a book. I'm always telling Sarah this always, 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 that has to go into a book. <laughs> um, if you were starting over as a new writer right now, what would you tell a baby Sarah writer? Hmm. I think I would say, not to be impatient, 
with the search for success and for figuring out how to write, but not to go too slowly either. Like this is a, I think I'm giving myself two pieces of advice, partially because, you know, early on I was pretty impatient about the like critical accolades mm-hmm. I would, because I'd been fairly successful in my previous career and academically all of that. I was just kind of used to success happening, um, which sounds like a humble brag, which it kind of is. But, you know, I was used to things happening and this was one I couldn't control mm-hmm. at all. And it made me super impatient and it was really difficult. Um, but then I almost think I overcorrected from that mm. and said, you know, oh, well, it'll come whenever it happens. And so I can take 18 months to write this book because I would rather like. So you stop you know, pushing then. I kind of stopped pushing. Yeah. And I think that was one of the big realizations I had the last few months was that I actually am the type of person who likes to push. And I had somehow held myself back too much. Mm. Because um, there's a time and a place, I think, for the sort of peaceful Zen, embrace the world, like give yourself time, breathe. And I needed that for a couple of years because mm-hmm. I had some personal stuff going on. But now it's like, no, I don't need to be peaceful. <laughs> like, it's actually more my nature to push and try. And I somehow lost some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that maybe the real piece of that is like, listen to your intuition a little bit more and trust your gut. And that goes back to like, don't take somebody's tip if it feels like it won't work for you. Like, feel free to accept advice and smile and say thank you, but just move on if you know it's not going to work for you. I really, really do believe that we know deep in ourselves all of these yep. answers. We really do. And it and it takes somebody else saying it for us to hear it in our own head sometimes, but we always know whether it's right or wrong. If you just sit down and ask yourself, am yep. I going too fast? Am I going too slow? You, yep. know, you know the answer. Yeah. yeah. I think that's true. Awesome. And what would you like to plug right now? Can you tell us about your new book? What's it called? I can. Um, my new book is called Taking the Earl. It's the last book in a series about three heiresses who were competing to win an agent estate. Um, the book is, so it's set at a house party. This is Regency 1812. Um, the heroine secretly was ruined, but never told. She managed to keep it all a secret, but she has Ooh. a secret baby. Oh, I love a secret baby. She's been hiding, and that's why she's determined to win the estate, because if she stays in the country, her baby can grow up here. The townspeople have all accepted it. Like, it'll be okay. Someday people will find out, but it'll be okay for now. The hero shows up pretending to be the missing heir, which would throw everything into chaos, but he's actually a jewel thief, and he is only pretending to be the missing heir so he can get in and steal everything. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. So oh my gosh. And it's the culmination of a trilogy, right? You said it is. so. And it I, is. No, I don't have, I don't have the print book of that one, but I have, I can show you the little tiny card if you can see it. Oh yes. And I'll link uh, that too. Your, your yeah. covers are so gorgeous. Thank you. They are beautiful. And I love those yeah. colors together. Congratulations Thanks. on the release. And Thank I you. will link to where that can be found. And uh-huh. I would like you to go back to your retreat and staring at the Pacific and getting work done or just, you know, having some wine. Cause it's like three 30 now probably time to knock it's off for the day. Yeah. <laughs> it felt a little wrong to be drinking the wine while I was talking to you. That's it's, probably not. It's never wrong. Thank you yeah. so much, Sarah. And happy me. writing to you. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? 
You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>